Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this 29th of July, 2019. I'm your host, Real Deal Quinn, live here from my YouTube channel, um, streaming Real Deal Podcast on a Monday here uh, as we head into uh, head um, towards the end of July into August. Training camps, uh, uh, NFL training camps, of course, are in uh, full swing, and you had the first major injury of the 2019 of the the 2019 season the first one of note in terms of aj green uh tearing uh tearing his ankle up tearing uh muscles up tearing his uh ankle muscles in his ankle uh on a field on a just a horrible field a situation where probably could have been prevented um, you have one of your best players, one of the top receivers in the league, and has been a guy who you know is on on his way to the Hall of Fame someday if he stays on his current pace, out there on a the field that shouldn't that shouldn't be playing on playing on in the first place, and you know I you hear this about the NFL now AJ Green keep this in mind AJ Green is coming up on a contract year, okay he's coming up on a contract year he'll be a free agent after this year. You know, he's made roughly around over $70 million in total money in terms of his contract. But this com- this coming season is going to be, you know, his probably his last major payday at the age of 30. Now he's, you know, he's out six to eight weeks. Uh, he's out six to eight weeks with ligament damage in, in his ankle, on his ankle. And who knows what the rest of his, of his season is going to look like. Now, he'll be back. He's going to miss definitely week one. But... Again, who knows what this injury could do for his uh, contract season. And again, the NFL does not care about, as a whole, does not care about its players as a whole. And, you know, talk of an 18-game season, and I include the Players Association as well. Um, The Players Association, to me, this is something that, you know, this is this is a suable offense to me. Uh, if I'm AJ Green, if I'm AJ Green right now, and I get hurt, and I'm talking to lawyers, I'm trying to find out what what you know what connection that field could have had, or what impact that field could have had in terms of my injury. Again, something that would be hard to improve, maybe hard to prove, maybe impossible to prove, but I'm looking into it because again, I'm kind of he's coming up on a contract year. He's coming again, 30 years old. And again, as a field, again, the field before this, before he even played on the field, practice on the field, there were doubts about how the condition of this field. It was a, it was a joke already. So I'm gonna, you know, put your career on, put my career on the line for a practice. This wasn't even a game. This is a practice in July. Uh, again, we've seen it. You know, we, you had players on who were talking, who were complaining about this field. Even before the practice started, who were guys were sliding. Uh, apparently, apparently they, they did not, you know, were not able to practice on a on a new field that they were supposed to practice on because uh, that field was going to be, was on a Native American um, Native American ground, and they didn't want to tear up that ground, uh, tear up that ground to put on a new put on new turf. So they ended up going to this, you know, rinky dink uh, field that was was apparently apparently in bad shape. And one of the best players on your team ends up, you know, again, tearing ligament, doing ligament damage to his ankle. 
Um, so again, that's not the way certainly certain Cincinnati uh, Bengals want to start the season. Um, if I'm getting the Players Association should be embarrassed by this. The NFL as a whole should be embarrassed by this. Now, you're talking about a $15 billion a year organization and uh, organization and corporation, and you can't even put your players on a field on a field that's safe to play that, that's safe to play on. And you know, if the Players Association wants to do anything, then they should go after the NFL in terms of this. If the Players Association has any has any balls whatsoever, then they should come after the NFL and protect and protect it all. If this happened in Major League Baseball, there would be uh, the players. You know, there would be you know a mutiny. <laughs> there would be mutiny on, on on Major League Baseball. If this happened in Major League Baseball. If this happened to one of their players, their player their player association would go after would go after ownership. Go after owners. We'll go after Major League Baseball as a whole so fast. It it would be a settlement. I promise you. This happened to one of their best players or a pitcher. So you see that happened over the weekend. Again, Green's gonna be out anywhere from six uh, to eight weeks uh, with that ankle injury. And again, who knows how uh, this will um, affect. Uh, his season moving forward. Of course, you have the Hall of Fame game coming up on Sunday. This was this past weekend. It will be the last weekend until uh, February, until you know, or or last or mid or late January. That you will not have NFL um, NFL football. A lot of talk about a couple of guys that are you know that are holding out in terms of the uh, in terms of the running backs in Melvin Gordon and of course Ezekiel Elliott. And if you're running, again, I totally understand why those guys want their money and are trying to get their money. But I'm telling you right now, if you're running an NFL franchise, I would never, if I were running an NFL franchise, I would never, and I mean ever, pay a running back. Ever. Um, you draft a running back, you let his contract run out, and then you draft another one. I would never pay a running back above above market value. Never. I don't care. I don't care if they're the best running back in the league. I don't care how productive they've been. That is a position that you just don't pay, and uh, that you just don't pay. That is a position that could be easily replaced. That is a position that is not. You're not winning championships because of because of uh, your your running back, or because of who you have. Do um, you have run? You know, running the football for you. Not winning championships because of that. Your quarterback, your offensive line, pass rushers. Safeties, cornerbacks, those are positions that, that you pay premium premium money for. Not the running back situation. Not your running back. And again, running backs, and can I knock Melvin Gordon or Ezekiel Elliott for trying to get their money? Of course not. Of course not. Especially with Ezekiel Elliott, you, you have a franchise that is known for paying for paying players and taking care of his best players in terms of Dallas. But now that situation is gonna be gonna be interesting because you have uh, Dak Prescott. You have Amari Cooper. They have the offensive line that's gotten that's gotten a ton of money. They can't pay everybody. They will not be able to pay everybody. They're gonna have to make a choice. Um, they're not gonna be able to pay all those guys. They're gonna at certain point, certain at certain point, they're gonna have to make a choice. Again, I don't think Ezekiel Elliott 
will hold that. You know, I don't think this holdout will last for long. Anybody that learned anything from the Le'Veon Bell holdout, holding out the entire season, you know, showed you that he really didn't make that much more money than what he would have, what he would have made versus the, uh, the, the Pittsburgh offer. He lost a year, you know, a year of his prime. That's not including endorsements that you can lose. You know, say Ezekiel it goes out there and rushes for 15, 600 yards. That's more endorsements and more money is going to be put in his pocket. And again, if you're Ezekiel Elliott, make them let them franchise you. Let them franchise you. If they franchise you, they're going to have to pay you at top, at like in the top five of running backs, in the top five as a, a top five player at your at your position. So. Um, he still has in a position. They're, they're, they're just not in a position of power. NFL players don't have power like NBA players have in terms of uh, getting paid and holding out. Holding out just doesn't work in it. Does not work in the NFL, especially at that position. It just doesn't. And again, if I'm running a franchise, I would never, in a million years, pay a running back. I just wouldn't do it. But it's hard, again, hard to knock a book guy for trying to get his money, especially at that position. That position is shelf life, 28 to 29. Uh, both of those guys have had a ton of uh, ton of work in their, you know, in their relatively short careers. Well, not short careers. As Melvin Gordon came in a year before, has uh, more, has four years actually under him. Ezekiel Elliott still has two years left on his contract. So I, if you're if you're in Dallas, you definitely not, you definitely wouldn't pay him. Uh, right now, um, Melvin Gordon just has you know this is his last year on his contract. Last year on his, on on, the, on his contract, um, San Diego's gonna have an interesting decision to make with him, uh, considering that I think he's more important to San Diego than what Ezekiel Elliott is to Dallas. Dallas, San Diego already has paid their quarterback. Uh, their offense, you know, they already have paid their other players for the most part. They don't have the, the same similar situation than, than Dallas. So if you ask me which one of those guys were more likely to get their money, I probably would lean towards um, would lean towards Melvin Gordon. Dallas, even though Dallas has had a history of paying its better play, best best players, I don't you know I think Dallas has been relatively sound with their decision making, whether it's drafting or who to pay of, of late. Like Jerry Jones has actually been listening to. Um, people around him they're gonna have to pay Dak Prescott um make him at least a, a minimum a top five quarterback in, front, in terms of uh, salary um I don't see them giving Dak Prescott making him the highest paid quarterback uh, in the game I, I see him he's gonna be top five uh Amari Cooper will be a top five top three paid paid receiver so again I don't see where the money is left over for uh for Ezekiel Elliott to be the highest paid running back um, in the league, I, I just don't see where it is left. I, I just would, you know, if he wants to hold out, let him hold out. I feel like I have a top, legit top three, top five offensive line. I feel like I can plug a running back who's going to get me, you know, a, you know, 11 to 1200 yards. You don't need running backs rushing for 14, 15, 1600 yards. You don't anymore, especially in today's, today's NFL. You don't need that at all. So those are kind of some of the storylines that that have dominated up and up the NFL up until this point. Again, you'll have the Hall of Fame game come uh, come this um, come this Sunday. Um, as far as the NBA, things have, st- have slowed down a bit. 
Uh, people, you know, we had you had MVP projections, you had uh, wins and losses projections. People want to make a big deal about um, in regards to the Lakers and Lakers and Clippers. I'm thankfully the Kawhi Leonard stuff has kind of slowed down. Um, it was getting ridiculous every you know every single day with something new in regards to uh, what was going on with Kawhi Leonard. Uh, now I think the NBA will go with football coming you know coming up coming on and with the training camps, you know, training camps in full swing, the NBA kind of will get a bit quiet um, unless something happens like Chris Paul gets traded or something like, or something like, or there's, you know, unfortunate, if hopefully, hopefully this doesn't happen, if there's an injury to a, a player during the summer league or something like that, well, not NBA summer league, but, uh, you know, a guy working out. Other than that, I don't expect to hear too many things in regards to the NBA until, you know, come September, mid-September, early October. Uh, you do have still LeBron James in the headlines. Um, so LeBron James' son, Bronny James, LeBron James Jr., Bronny is, is his nickname, you know, is playing AAU. He's going to uh, be a freshman in high school next year. He's gotten taller he's got he's dunking now you know i mean dunking easily and he's really you know really you know really been showing out on the on this aau circuit lebron of course is at every game every you know every game um as you would expect but this weekend uh during the pregame lebron was um participating you know basically in a, in a dunk off <laughs> With Bronny James Jr., with LeBron James Jr., I, with LeBron James Jr., and from the outside it looks harmless. Um, we have a father bonding with his son, putting on a show for the, for the fans, and what have you. But I don't like it whatsoever because here's uh, I'll tell you why. Isn't it, those games, those practices, those events are not about LeBron James. Anybody that's watched NBA basketball since 2000, 2003 or since, I would say, since 2000, since 98, depending on you, if you uh, follow LeBron in, uh, you know, in Akron, I've seen LeBron dunking for the last almost 20 years. This time is about his son. And it's about those other kids who are out there who are, you know, not named LeBron James Jr., who are out there playing AAU basketball, who are out there having the time of their lives um, as 15, 16, 14, 15, 16-year-olds. It's not about LeBron James. And again, this is a guy who once said that one of his regrets was giving his son his, his, first, his first name. Henceforth, you have Bronny James because of all the pressure, because of all the attention that would that would be bestowed on, upon him for being the, the firstborn of LeBron, of LeBron, of one LeBron James. No, again, no one should be coming there to see LeBron James. It's all about all about the students to me, the kids. LeBron James wants to stay on the sidelines, wants to clap, yell, you know, under control and cheer for his son. That's one thing. Wants to support the team, uniforms, what have you, stuff like that. That that's they have no problem with that. But LeBron James in the 
layup line, having a dunk on, you know, doing dunks, throwing back dunks. Look at me. It's because all this is not, there's no realistic reason, logical reason why you're doing it. You're not doing it for your son. Your son is, your son is dunking on his own. I don't think you're trying to show up your son. All, but it's, again, LeBron James is obsessed with LeBron James. LeBron James cannot get enough of LeBron James. And again, I'm sure I don't, I don't know how LeBron James Jr. feels about it. I wouldn't like it, you know, if I were LeBron James Jr. I, it wouldn't, it would just, it's like, you know, just go to the sidelines. It's like, <laughs> I mean, this is my time. It's not your time. It's my time. And again, it doesn't take away from the type of father he is. I'm sure he's a great father. Um, He's at the games supporting his, you know, supporting his sons. He has, he has a younger son that plays basketball. Again, he's at every, you know, every video that I've seen of LeBron, of Bronny James playing. LeBron James has been there, so you you can't knock him as a father from that standpoint of, of being there for his son, for his sons, or or even his daughter, who's a little, who's much younger. But the idea again, the idea that you don't want the the type of attention and want that you know that laser beam of of all eyes on your son is one thing, but then you're gonna go you know in his layup lines and you know have dunk offs with him. I don't know. Again, maybe in LeBron's mind, that's that's a way of taking the attention off his son. It's not. I don't think he is taking attention off his son, but maybe in his mind, maybe that would be his. His uh, justification for uh, for being, you know, for doing that again. I he just needs to go. He just needs to fall back and just, you know, just support his son, root for his son on the sidelines. He doesn't he doesn't need to be dunking in uh, in the layup lines. He doesn't. He doesn't. And of course, the coach is not going to say anything because the coach is not, you know, it's LeBron James. The coach is not going to say anything. But because um, his coach, the coach wants LeBron James' son to play for him. The coach stands up to LeBron. Probably more chances like the LeBron probably will take his son off the team. Because that's and begin and that is the culture that LeBron creates with anything he's a part of from a basketball standpoint. If you are going to benefit from my name, if you're going to benefit from my talent, you gotta be willing to put up with my bullshit. So whether that's my my entourage, whether that's, you know, uh, hiring an assistant coach that I used to work with. That's a part of that's a part of the LeBron James package. So in this case, part of coaching his son is I might get in layup lines and have uh, you know, dunk contests with my son. That's a part of it. Couple of key series uh, in Major League Baseball uh, coming up this week. You have Washington and Atlanta. Uh, this is a big series for Washington. They need to, you know, cut into that lead as we head towards August. Atlanta right now is in total control of that division. Right, of that division as we stand here on uh, July 29th. Um, Strasburg, you know, I mean, Scherzer has been placed on the IL. Um, 
probably the 10 day IL. So that does something doesn't help them help the Nets. They also have the Giants and the Mets, which about a month ago, or even maybe six weeks ago, you would have said that's a nothing series. But the Giants, San Francisco Giants, have had one of the great in-season turnarounds I've seen in recent memory, going from basically, you know, nine or ten games under five hundred now to about two games over five hundred and in and they're right in the thick of the wild card race uh in the National League to a point to where you have people questioning whether or not they should actually move Mass and Bumgarner or or their all star closer Will Smith. Bumgarner has has pitched great of late. Um he's lowered his ERA to about three point six five. Will Smith was an all-star this year, and there are certainly a number of teams that can use a, a, a bullpen, some bullpen, bullpen help. Certainly the Nationals are one of them that can use some bullpen help as well. And the Yankees certainly could use a starting pitcher uh, as a uh, starting pitcher of the, the caliber of Bumgarner. Uh, Bumgarner, I would, if I'm the Yankees, I would go after Bumgarner. The Yankees have a loaded um they have an absolute loaded farm system. They have the assets to go after to go after Bumgarner. If I'm the Giants, I would move him. You're not winning a championship, and you've gotten three championships out of out of him at this point. You're not going to get any more out of him. Um, and the chances are the likelihood of them resigning uh, him uh, or resigning him in the offseason when he becomes a free agent are not very good. He's going to get a he's going to still get a top tier. Uh, contract now again, there are people out there who say that he's not the pitcher that he once was. I still think that he is a all-star caliber pitcher, and that that guy is money. You are getting you what you're getting right now with Bumgarner. You're getting a guy that's going to eat up innings, and you are getting a guy who had who has been one of the most dominant postseason pitchers in recent memory. And I still think he is an above-average all-star caliber pitcher who has just been stuck on a horrible team the last two to three years the last two to three years the Giants were in the playoffs in 2016 the last two years have been terrible and he's been he hasn't been healthy for the most part but this this season for the most part he's been healthy and he's looked like the Madison Bumgarner of uh you know of old that guy who can dominate a postseason that guy who is fearless and the guy who can hit as well um again the Yankees if you watch the Yankees against the Red Sox this past weekend you know that they need desperately need starting pitching. Again, Boston's the best offensive team, offensive team in baseball, but still, even before that, the Yankees starting pitching was getting pounded. Uh, again, I had a Yankee fan a couple weeks ago told me when the Yankees were rolling, credit to him, because he's a real Yankee fan, told me that they needed that they desperately needed another starter, and that certainly has been the case over the last week to uh, ten days uh, since the All Star break. The starting pitching has been starting pitching has been amongst the worst in all of baseball. Teams are lighting them up in Boston, absolutely, despite what happened yesterday uh, with them, with the Yankees winning 9-6. Boston, for the most part, batted around the Yankees over the course of that four-game series. So, uh, again, if I'm the Yankees, I'm going after Bumgarner. They might, you know, you could see them possibly going after, uh, after Bauer from, uh, from the Indians, but number one on my list would be uh, Bumgarner, from the Giants, and certainly, again, the Yankees have all the assets, have all the necessary assets in the farm system and with positional players in order to make that uh, to, to make that deal happen. Of course, tomorrow night, 
you will get the uh, Democratic uh, debates. Uh, it'll be the 30th and the 31st. Um, if you're somebody who's into politics, if you're somebody who cares about the 2020 election, I would just, you know, heed some advice to you. Um, and number one, of course, watch these debates. I know, I understand that there are a million candidates and it can be, you know, hard to decipher, you know, to keep up because with, with, you know, with as many of Democrat candidates as they are, um, hopefully, you know, soon enough, they'll start, you know, whittling down as you see certain candidates start, start to run out of money, which always happens. But I would just completely ignore the racist distraction that you're getting from 45. Uh, it is a ploy. It is a it is a means to get you focused on what's coming out of his mouth instead of what's coming instead of instead of the Democrats in, in terms of their strategy, in terms of what they should be doing, in terms of their plan, their policies, their issues. Tell me, saying that 45 is racist is like telling me water is wet. I already know it. I don't need any further confirmation on it. Um, what he says is what he says. I frankly could, could care less. We know, I know, I'm speaking for myself and I speak for everybody, what, you know, that we want him, I want him out of office. Now, to me, I'm focusing on what is the plan of the Democratic Party? Like, what are you bringing to the table? What is your, what is your strategy or strategies? And right now, again, still have a lot of time, but right now, I don't know what the strategy, they are, strategy is. I see about... 9, 10, 12 candidates who are going in their separate directions, who actually believe that they can win the race when it's only about maybe two to five that have a legitimate chance at grabbing a nomination, maybe even less than that. Maybe it's only like two or three or four. But let's say five to make it fair, to be fair about it. Again, I wouldn't get caught up in any of any of the nonsense or the garbage that's coming out of the mouth of forty five in the last couple of weeks. It is it is not is is a means is a means to distract you from the, what the real issues are and from what really is important. The most important thing is going out there is paying attention to what is being said and being stated by the candidates who you want to hear from or who you care about in terms of. Uh, where in terms of who you um who you're gonna vote for or collect it really should be you at this point you should be collecting information from the from the prospective candidates that's where your energy should be not on what's coming out of 45's mouth again hard to hard to you know turn a blind eye or a blind ear to it but i mean what we're in 2019 he's been in office since 2016 I've been hearing it going back, you know, to 2015. So you should be, you should be used to it by now. To be honest with you. So I would just encourage anybody out there, just pay attention to what's going on with the Democratic Party. Pay attention to their policies. Pay attention to what's coming out of the mouths of their can of the candidates. How does it affect you directly? How does this affect this country moving forward as a whole if they are elected? That's the stuff that's important. Not the other nonsense from, you know, from 45. This is the Real Deal Podcast. It's Real Joe Quinn. 
as we uh, try to make it to, you know, get ready for the NFL football as well as college, college football is coming up soon as well. Uh, college football is about, uh, about less than a month away, uh, about three and a half weeks to a month to a month away. Um, I think that going to college football this year, as I, you know, we'll have plenty of time to look at it uh, moving forward. But the bottom line is, is, to me, the biggest question is, can anybody break the break the Clemson, Alabama, and stranglehold on college football right now? Who who is going to, you know, whether it be Georgia, you know, can Michigan jump up, Ohio State, some of the usual candidates? Because right now it is a two-horse race in college football when it comes to those teams. Those teams are, are heads and shoulders above everybody. And is there some is there gonna be that third team that, that joins the Alabama and Clemson uh party? That is the question going into the college football season. Because those two teams have programs have completely separated themselves from everybody else uh throughout this in, in the sport. Is it good for the sport? I'm not necessarily you know I'm big on like I'm not I'm not one who knocks dominance. Um, I just spent the better part of five years tossing bouquets towards the Golden State Warriors, but for football you expect NFL college a little bit more parity, uh, considering that there are a number of blue blood teams in the in college football. There are a number of a number of talented teams that recruit well that should be better challenging. Uh, pushing Clemson and Alabama, uh, Alabama more than more than what they are. Now again, ACC, I think will be improved this year. Um, will be slightly improved this year. I expect Florida State to be to be uh, much better than what they have been in the last couple of years. Uh, some of the bottom half of the ACC teams are, you know, we're getting we're getting better, but you know, it's still Clemson's conference. As we all know, it's still Clemson's conference to lose. The SEC, you know, LSU is expected to be expected to challenge Alabama. We know what Georgia, Georgia right now is knocking on the door, um, and could you know, last two times they played Alabama could have easily beaten Alabama in the national championship two years ago, and in the SEC championship last year probably. I mean, should have beaten Alabama uh, to be honest with you. So there, we know that, that that Georgia is right there as well. But can can either one of those teams, LSU or Georgia, break through? Um, breakthrough against Alabama and breakthrough in the college football, in the college football playoff. Before I ever, before I even take the Big Twelve series, they uh, they need to win uh, a playoff game in the college football playoffs. Before I even take a Big Twelve team um, series. So as we and as we get closer and closer to the college football season, it is all about two teams um, in Alabama. And Clemson, and I'm not necessarily sure that that is good for the sport. It's, I think you need, I need, think you need a couple other teams that could that could push those teams that we have confidence that that will that will push those teams um, moving forward. As far as a couple of the albums that came out this week, uh, a number of albums. There's another, there's some, there's a ton of great music out there right now. I mean, I I can't have even had a chance to listen to all of it. But I was able to listen to Chance the Rapper and uh, and BJ and BJ the Kid. Um, the Chance the Rapper one is just too many tracks. Uh, too many tracks. You don't need skits. Um, I'm not. It's not a bad album. It's not great. 
is it an album that could could probably had ten less tracks. If I cut if you cut the album by like eight to nine, maybe ten tracks, had a chance to be a great album, but just too many tracks. I, I think we had a point in music. And you wanna blame Kanye West this, Kanye West for this, you wanna blame other artists for this, but once you get past ten to twelve tracks, you're floating you you're floating with danger right now. I mean your attention spans are just not my my attention span is not is not very long. But uh, unless you're gonna come out with a just a a certified classic album from start to finish and every song is going to be engaging and every song you, you got to be careful about these 15 to 20 15 to 20 tracks you get past 15 that's a danger zone that's the day I, I think anywhere from 10 to 13 is a, is a perfect number no more than 15 tracks e40 has 26 tracks on his album 26 so, again, right now you have a number, you have some, just a bunch of great albums out right now, a bunch of quality albums out. You said that, you know, you said that Freddie Gibbs, you got the Dreamville album out, uh, Knife Wonder came out uh, the 19th. Uh, that's that's a great album, Big Crit. So, this is, again, the music scene right now, hip hop scene is definitely, you know, caught up from a slow start uh, in, in 2019, at the beginning of 2019. Uh, Rick Ross is coming out, I think, August 9th. Um, so, again, Nas, Lost Tapes, which to me has been the best album I've heard all, all this year. And again, you can, when you're Nas, you can come out with more than 12, 13, more than 14, 15 tracks. That's how the album is, but it's lit right, like that. The album is songs I don't even skip over in terms of the, the Nas CD, not CD, but the Nas, Lost Tapes too. Every album can't do that. Once you begin, when you get past that 15, 15 tracks, you're, you are absolutely in the danger zone. So, a lot of quality stuff out there right now. Um, there's one thing I wanted, uh, one thing I wanted to get to. I'm I almost, almost forgot it. The Nicole, the Nicole Murphy, Layla Rashawn, Antoine Fuakwa, who of course directed Training Day uh, way back when. You know, the easy thing to say, you know, it's easy to call. Nicole Murphy, home wrecker. Um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna get into the head of Antoine Fuakwa for a second. You have your wife Layla Rashawn is 55 years old. She's not in the greatest of shape right now, and I'm being as kind as I as kind as I can be without outright calling her fat. You have Nicole Murphy who's 51 years old, four years younger, who is probably in the shape of a 25-year-old and probably looks like Nicole Murphy could go for 34, 35, easy. Nicole Murphy's 51. If you saw, if you didn't know Nicole Murphy's age and didn't know, you know, didn't know she was married to Eddie Murphy way back in the early 90s, you would not think by any stretch of the imagination that Nicole Murphy was 51 years old. So you're, in, you're Antoine Fuacqua. Um, you see your wife, you see Nicole Murphy, and it's not like Nicole Murphy is 25 or 30. It's not like she's, you know, a, you know, a spring chicken from that standpoint. Part of you has to wonder about your wife in terms of, has a thing. This, this is just human nature. Why, am I, why can't my wife be in better shape physically? Part of you has to be thinking that. Now, again, 
I'm not knocking morally what's wrong on both sides of it, on both sides, uh, Antoine Fuwakwa and uh, Nicole Murphy. It's wrong, but from a man's standpoint, I understand. I understand. I, I, I understand. Again, I'm inside the head of Antoine Fuwakwa. So, uh, he heard Nicole Murphy apologize, whatever that means. Um, obviously, you know, she, obviously, obviously, it wasn't just an innocent peck on the cheek. You know, they were in France, poolside, and, and, you know, everybody knows what time it is in regards to that. You obviously feel bad for little Rashawn. You know, she had two kids by this dude. Married, still married, but you know the relationship clearly is not in a great place. And again, this I'm going to get bashed by the moral police, but you know that's fine. And I'm not again. I don't condone cheating. I don't condone another another woman getting in, you know getting involved in somebody else's marriage or putting somebody else's marriage in 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 further peril, peril than it's already in. I mean, that marriage, the, the bad marriage clearly is on shaky ground, shaky ground as is. Um, Nicole Murphy's not helping it by any stretch of imagination. But there does come to, a, I mean, it does come a point where, you know, as a man, you just, <laughs> you see, you know, see your wife, the shape that your wife is in, and you see Nicole Murphy, and you think to yourself, why can you look a little, why can, <laughs> again, this is what Antoine Fuaco's wife thinking, why can you look a little more, why can you look a little bit like that? I'm not asking you to be a aerobics instructor, instructor, I'm not asking you to have your own fitness website, I'm not asking you to be a supermodel, but she's had five kids, like, like later on Sean's had two kids, Nicole Murphy's had five kids. They had five kids by Eddie Murphy. All of them are grown. I'm just giving you another, I'm just giving you another perspective. Rather than stating the obvious of, you know, home wrecker and cheater and what have you. But feel bad for Layla Rashawn. Um especially some of the pictures that have been coming out with her uh in regards to the weight. Remember this remember she was you know, she was sunshine. This was sunshine off Harlem Nights. This was, you know, this was the girl off, uh, I forgot what her name was on uh, Boomerang. She, she was in a movie. She was in a movie for about five minutes. But, you know, this, and later with Sean, at one point was, uh, you know, was a good, you know, was, could have been a jet beauty, jet beauty of the week back in the day. But, you know, time and a couple of kids have taken their toll on her physically and, you have Nicole Murphy. That's a good, I don't know, do I want to end the podcast on that? <laughs> well, we're going to react. We're going to end the podcast on that. As always, this is The Real Deal Podcast. It's the real Gerald Quinn. Tell me like it is with no apologies. Thanks for listening. I'm out.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.